Welcome to the podcast, that's everything pro cricket Mr Bedford and Mr Boddington, that's the ticket It turns out cricket's not that boring, who knew? So come on and take a listen, you may even enjoy it too I mean, it's very good, isn't it? A big thanks to Mr. Dobson, who gave us the full version of his new theme tune. Um, we're going to keep the, the short version at the start of every episode. Mr. Bedford, what do you make of it? Brilliant. What a start to this episode. Um, really catchy theme tune, and I think uh, our students are going to enjoy listening to that. So uh, big thanks to Mr. Dobson for, for writing that song, and um, he sounds good, doesn't he? Yeah, he certainly put a lot of time into it, so a big thanks to Mr Dobson for doing that for us. Uh, certainly brings a new dimension to our podcast, and you may have picked up a bit of a clue from his longer version of the song as to this week's guest, so a big welcome to Mr Softly, who joins us. It's a pleasure to be on, and it's a pleasure to have the call-up, which, 10th man or 11th man, I suppose it was, it was going to come at some stage, but an absolute pleasure. There's been some legends, there's been some, some guests, I think, that actually... Uh, surprised they got on uh, so early down the order <laughs> and and to be fair Mr Dobson I think we're going to have to have a look at what, how you're using your time because you clearly have too much of it and I'm not sure if if uh, a career within within the guitar industry with a bit of your voiceover is the way forward but we'll we'll see no it's a great start it's a pleasure to be on and, and thanks for having me no thanks for joining us um you've listened to a few of the episodes already who have you enjoyed listening to most and why to be fair, I enjoyed I enjoyed them all. Uh, we, you know, you obviously started off with with Mr. Mantle, who loves a good chat, and uh, it it really kicked it off. With then going through, we've got Mr. Crawford, Mr. Eagleston. I thought was great, and me and Mr. Eagleston had a bit of time together with the under 12s cricket. I learned learned a fair bit from from Mr. Eagleston as well. Uh, and I suppose you had to have Mr. Barr on there at some stage, didn't you? <laughs> He's taken a bit of stick, Mr. Barr, hasn't he, in the last few weeks? Yeah, I wonder why. It's good. <laughs> okay, Mr. Softly, tell us about your earliest cricketing memories and your cricket background. Cricket background. Now, it sounds pretty good if I put it like this, that I've played a lot in Norfolk, I've played in Lincolnshire, I've played in Scotland, I've played in India, I've played in New Zealand. Now, that sounds like I've had some sort of cricketing career, but there's a lot of different stories between where and how I played in all those different areas, but it really started when I was down living in, in, in the flat Norfolk countryside, and my granddad and dad, who I'm sure would have loved to have listened to this, were the ones that really got me into, into cricket from, from a young age. My granddad, who played a lot for Watton Cricket Club, which is our local town, and where I spent many years of, of my life, and then he got my dad into it, who again spent a huge amount of time of his life invested into into Watton Sports Centre, but the cricket club as well. And I suppose we could say that some sort of cricketing talent comes from my granddad's relation, which is Rachel Hayhoe Flint, who in many ways was probably the pioneer of women's cricket. Now again, that sounds like I should be fairly good at cricket, but uh, and <laughs> We will probably, as we explore through this, but yeah, my, my, my sort of love of the game, love of sport came from my granddad, came from my dad, playing lots at, down at Watton Sports Centre, Watton Cricket Club, um, and, and it went on through there, really. Brilliant, and you touched on it briefly there, but you've been lucky enough to play in lots of areas of the world and coach as well. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, very lucky, very fortunate enough about that. So Norfolk, I played for my local school, which was which was Wayland, and we weren't a massive state school. We but we had a, a teacher there called Mr. Dalton, who was hugely passionate for cricket. We had a lot of talented cricketers in and around the in and around the county and and the, and the local villages to to Watton. One being um, a, fr a friend of mine who unfortunately isn't here anymore, but called Will Smart. He was in my year group, was a fantastic player himself. His family were great. He had brothers, two brothers older. Again, were very talented. They played a lot for Cambridgeshire and, and Norfolk County uh, as well. But yeah, Mr Dalton used to get us all together. We, we had sort of players in each year group, but we always used to go into certain cups. So it was either year nine or year 11. And he used to pick players from each from each sort of year, and, and I was fortunate to get in there. But as a specialist fielder, as I would say, and someone that just loved running about and getting involved in the team environment, uh, uh, going from there. So it started there. The the link to 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 uh, Scotland was when I then went to sixth form at, at Gordonson School, which has been a lot in the press recently because of the late Duke Venebra, who, who was uh, one of the first ever students at Gorneston. So I can, I can say that I played on the same wicket as the Duke of Edinburgh, which was, which was pretty good, where I played first 11 cricket there. With the, when, when I was in year 12, there was a, a head of cricket called James Rufy, who was very passionate and was great and just really loved getting us involved, getting as many players involved as possible. And then in my second year, in the year 13, we actually had Richard Dawson, who was the, the off-spinner, who was a Yorkshire lad as well. And uh, yeah, so, so he was great. And he actually tried to, he wanted to turn me into a wiki-keeper. Uh, it was probably a bit too late in the, in the day for that. But during my time at, at Gorneston, we went on a squash tour. This is where it sort of all gets a bit weird about playing. We went on a squash tour to India. And we were finishing up with a, with a, with a squash match. And the, the sort of local club came out and said, we've got, a little, we've got quite a few people that want to play a little game of cricket. Do you fancy it? And there was, there was 11 of us on this squash tour. And so, yeah, we, we had a game in the afternoon of, uh, it was, I, I think it was probably 2020, but I can't, you know, I went in for bat, I had a bit of a bowl. Again, stood at a square leg for a majority of it, or in the slips, and uh, enjoyed enjoyed that. So, so that happened there, and then I went to I went to New Zealand for a gap year. I worked at a school called St Kentigan College, and we did a lot of cricket. It was a massive game in in that school as well as the rugby, and I was fortunate enough for a guy called Nigel Fletcher, who again is a Yorkshireman, so it was all a bit strange, but he went to, to Gordonston and Nigel Fletcher was the one that lived out in New Zealand and, and set me up to go out there. And he is a massive, massive cricket player himself. And, and he got me coaching, coaching at, at Auckland Cricket, which was good for, for a bit of money on a Friday. Ravi Bapara was actually playing out there at, at that time. And so, yeah, and really loved, you know, it was hot, it was cricket mad out there in the summer. And, you know, I was able to, to play a little bit in the six-a-side league uh, with Nigel and, and a couple of others. And then the, the bit where I played in Lincolnshire, really, was, was at Mablethorpe. And it wasn't any club, it wasn't anything to do with that. We were camping as a family. And it is, this is why I absolutely love the game, because you can have a set of stumps. You don't even need a set of stumps, you just need a wall. And you need a bat and a ball. And we had me, my brother-in-law, my other brother-in-law, and my brother, 
uh, as a team against other th these other four um, fam this family of four who have two kids and we, we had a little game against each other so that was the bit of fun there and I'll go back to that bit later because that was one of the best bits <laughs> of the best bits of cricketing moment I've ever seen yeah brilliant I mean you mentioned there Mr Dalton um, early on in your, your school career like how important is that sort of experience now that you're a, a teacher and coaching cricket at Woodhouse Grove yeah huge I think what it does, it, it was the passion. It was the love for the game that, that Mr Dalton had. He wanted to just get as many people playing as possible. It had the other backing of, of he was actually an English teacher, so there was all the other PE teachers that were just keen to get out there. And they knew it wasn't, they knew what you got out of cricket. So there was the discipline, there was the patience, there was the, the team camaraderie, there was the, the being an individual whilst playing as part of a team, there was experience in failure quite early on. And I, and I suppose I, I probably experienced as a cricketer more failure than I did <laughs> in any other way because of my ability playing cricket. But I absolutely loved it and uh, you know, I, learned, I learned a lot from that. Yeah, so many values from the, from the game and that's something we've talked a lot about on the podcast is failure and actually you fail pretty much every time you go out to bat, mm. you know, even if you score 80, you know, you're still going to get out at some stage. So I think, yeah, in terms of the mentality, the mindset of the game, yeah, really important. And it's good to have that, that teacher who, you know, inspires you from a young age. And, you know, I think the, the students at our school are very fortunate to have so many passionate cricket teachers. Mm. Yeah, I think dealing with failure is a really important part of, of growing as a cricketer. And um, as Mr Softly said, there's often more bad days than good days for everybody. So it's, uh, it's an important part of everybody's development and something we're trying to help our younger players with all the time. Mr Softly, just give us a bit more of an insight into your time in New Zealand. How did you find the cricket culture over there and what did you take from your time in a different country? Yeah, it's a really good question. They, they had a real... I suppose you, you went down to the training session and they just flooded out of the cars. You know, they were just wanting to be out there. They, you know, whether they were putting the pads on, whether they were bowling, whether they were fielding, they were just enjoying it. And I think not saying that our, you know we we don't like we don't have that culture over here because you know we definitely do, but the enjoyment factor, whether they were whatever part of that sort of coaching session or actual game they were doing, they were just keen to to be there. Obviously, the sun helps, you know, but actually, in in many ways, the 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 climate isn't too different to here. Yes, they probably have some some hotter days, but it's not hugely different. But they just were were, were keen to be out there, it's keen to be outdoors for a long period of time, and get involved. And you know, it started. We had right down to the to sort of the the five, six, seven year olds where it was, you know, playing with a with a windy, and there was no hardball cricket, and it was just for fun. It was quick cricket and. Yes, you still experience that being being out, but you were up to the other end and getting that chance. Whether it was to, you know, well, I think I coached about under twelves or under thirteens, and you know that's where I got a little bit more technical, a little bit more serious. But you, they they had they had a real passion for that, and I think for for their culture, whether it is, you know, the Black Caps or the All Blacks or whatever team they have, if if they are if they are following them, the whole country follows them. And that, that was something that blew my mind, that everything stops. You know, if they lost the night before, whether it was the All Blacks or Black Caps or whatever, it was like a day of mourning the next day. You know, people didn't, people didn't want, they really didn't want to speak about it that much. They didn't want to make much of a, I suppose, much of a, um, well, we'll just forget about that one. They really dissected it as well. And 
I, I think I learned a lot from that enjoyment factor of, of that as well. Brilliant. And what about your time coaching cricket at Woodhouse Grove? I believe you started as the under-12 coach. Yes. Yes, under-12 coach with Mr Jones and Mr Eagleston. It was when Mr Jones was was sort of coming towards the end and Mr Eagleston was still there and obviously had learned and worked with Mr Jones for a long time. And, yeah, I went, I went down the flies, as Mr. Sidebottom called them, because they just turn up. And that was, I suppose, that continued from where I once was in New Zealand, because you just turn up and you think, right, how many have we got today? And then they come round the other tree and they come round the tennis courts. And you're like, oh my God, where have all these come from? Uh, but working with, with Mr. Eagleston, Mr. Jones and Mr. Sidebottom, and, and, you know, Mr. Frost, who, who, who sort of led that, the cricket at that time, was just was absolutely brilliant and the enthusiasm I, you know we've had games where we we went to we went to Quiggs and you know we were all out for something like 30 Mr Eagleston be able to recall might have been 25 and we were just like what you know what's going on here but then we bowled fantastically and turned, made a game of it and I, I think I remember Mr Jones saying if you get 50 at under 12 crickets you're doing well you know, not as an individual, but as a team. If you get 50, you're probably going to put yourself in a game because you never know, you never know what's going to happen. And the, the Herbert Smith pitch has a really... Sh- it really does help you play in, I suppose, in the correct way. Of If you are playing correctly and, you know, front foot drives, you will score big. And there's been some fantastic cricketers. And actually, the current year 13s were my first under 12 group here so uh yeah they you know and now obviously they're now the year 13 so they were an exceptional little cricket team at that time yeah that's obviously been a very strong year group for cricket as they've gone through the school what made them so special as an under 12 team there was a lot of individuals that that were technically good so they had they had some bowlers that that could that could one you know seam bowl it keep it straight they could just, you know, that's all we used to say to them. If you put it on the stumps and you're, consi- you're consistent with that, which is another sort of key value of, of anything, being consistent. If you can, if you can be consistent with, with line and length, you will, over time, get, get the wickets. But then we had, you know, a couple of, of spin bowlers. And then we had some exceptional young, you know, hand-eye coordination, young, young cricketers that, that could just hit balls and, and hit them straight cut, pull, whatever, uh, and put themselves out, you know, out of trouble, get themselves out of trouble a number of times, which I think you have to do in cricket, don't you? <laughs> Absolutely. Brilliant. Right, come on then, staff team. Oof. What are you going to add to the staff team, Mr Softley? You mentioned there, you, you know, you might have taken the gloves at some stage as well. Um, yeah, batting, bowling, what is it? Come on, what are you going to bring to the party? Bring to the party, so... <laughs> What I think I will bring is that I'll fill a gap. <laughs> I'll fill a gap. That if, if you need someone to go somewhere in the field, bat up the order, bat down the order, be 12th man, run the drinks on, I'll, I'll be there. I'll fill a gap for you. What a legend, the I'm, ultimate team man. I'm not going to do anything. Team. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything that's going to blow your mind. You know, I'm not going to... I might drop a catch, but I might take one. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I think I'd, I'd, fill a, I'd fill a good gap. 
Right, we'll bear that in mind and we'll put yeah. you yeah. into yeah. it. I'm not, I'm not sold myself <laughs> too well. Though. Yeah, I'd feel a bit bad. Yeah, well, at least you're not, you won't mind being disappointed. So that makes it easier because I think some, some of the staff members might if they're yeah. left out. So uh, thanks yeah. for that. Makes no, it yeah, easier for us. Okay, England are just about to start a test match against New Zealand. It's a it's a squad with a few changes in it. Mr. Bedford, any names that jump out of you from the England squad? Uh, Bracey, yeah, coming in from Gloucestershire, that's an interesting one. He's um, he's been scoring runs in a difficult county championship, obviously with the weather. Um, the ball's been seeming around a little bit, so uh, yeah, that's an interesting selection. It's good. It's nice to see a new face in there. Um, obviously, the IPL. Players not involved, um, which I think could leave England in a bit of a sticky situation going into this first test because uh, they've not really got a genuine all-rounder, so they're probably going to have to pick uh, five bowlers or are we going to go with four seamers and, and Root as the spinner? Um, that, I think that's the difficult selection that we've probably got for the first test. Mr Sofley, is this a good opportunity for England to look at some different players or... Is it too much of a disappointment that we can't get our best eleven out to play one of the best test playing nations at the moment? I think it's a good opportunity. I've, you know, I've been listening obviously to the to the podcast, and you listen to a number of different pundits, I suppose, and they speak about should we be having a consistent team with very few changes? And actually, I think it was something I learned. I learned from Mr. Jones and Mr. Eagleston, and probably playing myself was. Cricket was a game that you rarely changed the team if it was if it was going well, but I look at it in the other way and actually is it is it that we've got so many talented players nowadays that why why shouldn't we give people a chance and why shouldn't we give give people the opportunity to show what show what they're about and maybe we don't just have a core of of twenty top elite players in this country anymore and we have a we have even more than that now. And I think age in cricket is another is another thing, and obviously Jimmy Anderson is a is a prime example of of age and how it doesn't really or couldn't matter, you know, doesn't always matter. And maybe Phil Mickelson from a cricket uh, from a golf point of view, this you know over the week over the weekend, and he's fifty and has just just won one of the biggest, you know, I know it's golf, but one of one of the biggest competitions, but. Maybe maybe it's a positive that we're seeing this, and maybe that it's a positive that we're seeing a number of players given given a chance, given an opportunity, and it keeps the others that maybe feel the right to be part of that team, feel the right to have that shirt, keeps them on their toes a little bit, and makes them think. Well, actually, if he's if he's, you know, these young players are coming through, and they're they're playing this way, they're playing that way. Maybe I need to change my game slightly to keep up with up with that. Um, yeah, I look at that team and I still see us winning. Um, but how many years ago would we have been able to not have six players as good as that involved in the test team and expect us to still win? Um, there's some serious match winners in that team still. So, uh, yeah, we've got to be confident against New Zealand. But as we've always said throughout the podcast, really, as we build towards the ashes in the winter, we've got to be starting to pick our best team and, and real settle on the balance. Yeah, I think it will be a very strong New Zealand team that England face. Mr Bedford, where do you stand on the argument that um, if there was to be a debut for James Bracey, for example, does that devalue his his test debut because the IPL players have made themselves unavailable? I think that's really harsh. I mean, how would you feel about that? I mean, I think anybody who got the chance to represent England would, would be delighted to do so regardless of the circumstances and... 
if I was James Bracey about to make my debut for England, then I'd be pretty excited about it. Yeah, to- totally agree. I-, I just don't think you can take that away from anybody. In the circumstances you get in the team, it's kind of irrelevant. You've got your number on the on the cap and, and off you go. Um, yeah, what an honour for him. Definitely. And um, a few of the England guys have been involved in county cricket so far this season. How much of a boost, Mr Softley, has it been for Yorkshire to see quite a bit of Joe Root so far this season? I think it's great. I think he would have really enjoyed that as well, wouldn't he? I think it must be incredibly tough for, for Root to keep, again, we'll, I think I mentioned consistency, but to the pressure that he must be under to perform at every opportunity, to keep that going... He may just need that time to drop down. I suppose it's it's like Oscar going me me going to play six asides. You know, you relaxed and, and maybe that relaxation and him not feeling as much pressure. I know he still has that with Yorkshire, but that's his home. That's the way where he can go onto a onto a wicket and, and do his thing and and maybe not feel as much attention via the media, via via the maybe different players around him. Uh, and he might he might enjoy bringing those up, you know, actually going back to to playing for Yorkshire and and working with those other players again, and and if that is going to be a positive for him in terms of his well being, and make sure that he's going to be on point when we are playing the Ashes at the end of this year, then then great, you know, I think people it it's, it might be his R and R really, you yeah, know, definitely. No, I think I think that's you know it's key there. We forget that they are human beings. Mm. And how cool to play against his brother twice yeah. this season. Mm-hmm. You know, amazing. You saw, saw a little tweet where he's saying, see you tomorrow, bro. And, you know, you forget about that, don't you, in elite sport, that actually, you know, these two, these two players are going out to play against each other. Brothers. I mean, it's just, that's special as well in itself. Yeah, Yorkshire have obviously had a really good start to the season, so um, I'm sure they will have loved having Joe Root as part of their squad. He will have brought not just plenty of runs, but an invaluable amount of time and experience to the group of players which has certainly helped them make a great start to the season decent gear as well now isn't it no, Looks, yeah it's, they've changed it haven't they a bit they've, uh, yeah. they've revamped it I think that's the sole reason he played I, I think, I think it might be yeah. new stash. Yeah. make sure he <laughs> cashes in on the new kit we all love new stash really. you know when there's a bit of kit involved especially when it's Nike you'll, you'll be alright won't you that's it. Okay, we have um, we have news of a new Woodhouse Grove podcast that has recently started up. One of our sixth form students, Daniel Cheng, has started a new podcast. And earlier today, I spoke to him to give us a little bit more information on his podcast. Daniel, welcome to the Grove Cricket Podcast. Fantastic to hear that you've started your own podcast just tell us all about it well thank you for letting me be a guest on your podcast it's basically um it's it's called wgs stem it speaks for itself it's a podcast about stem we basically uh, split into two subcategories uh stem discussion where we just talk about stem topics and stem news and stem careers where we give advice from uh, more knowledgeable guests like um, teachers or whatever about um uni applications or or just uh, advice in different types of careers in STEM. We've had a lot of people like get involved into this. Um, so we've obviously had me who's been doing it. We had Christian Messier, Adam Shan, Seb Howells, Tom Vernon, uh, Sophia and Fiona Trimby. They've all been very uh, passionate about doing it. Uh, we've also had help from like uh, you starting this up. And um, we had Mrs. Kerr, she's the one who's organizing most of it. And Mrs. Cadman who's, uh, who's uh, allowed us to do most of it. 
Brilliant. Great to hear so many people involved in it. Um, I've listened to the first episode and I thought it was great. So well done to you guys. What can we expect to see in the future episodes? Well, so far we've just done an episode on space exploration in future. We're probably going to move into, um, well, it could be anything to be honest, but we plan to do more about viruses and uh, neurological diseases and go deeper into uh, Einstein's different uh, relativity theories as well. Um, But to be honest, it could range from anywhere that's in, in STEM. Great stuff. And what was it that made you want to get started with your own podcast? Well, when I saw your podcast on Twitter, I was like, oh, I could do one like that myself with uh, my friends and call it, do it for STEM. And I thought, oh, it's not a bad idea. So I found you and you helped me out with it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great stuff. Well, well done for starting your own podcast. We wish you all Thank the best you. for it. Um, I'm sure all our listeners will, will tune in and support you guys in the, the brilliant way they have supported the, the Grove Cricket Podcast. So yeah, yeah, good luck with it all. And we look forward to the upcoming episodes. Thanks. Thanks very much to Daniel for, for telling us about his podcast. Mr. Softly, as head of sixth form, why is that such a great thing and venture that Daniel's come up with? Absolutely brilliant. And when, when Dan came and spoke to, spoke to us about, how, about starting his own podcast with, with a group of students, we were like, definitely go for it. You know, podcasts have really come into the forefront over the last sort of 12, 18 months. And I think they're a great way where people can express themselves, have their say, without maybe getting too much, you know, too much combat from it. I'm not, I'm not sure, but it, it's an opportunity that we found for, for Dan and, and the other students to, to stand out. And it's one thing that we, we press on a lot in the, in the sixth form is what are they doing to make themselves stand out from the norm? And, and it'll be stuff like this that, that Dan and the other students can pull on when they are in maybe interviews when they're writing personal statements, when they're, when, you know, five years down the line and, and they may be sitting in a, in a, in a new organisation and they're saying, well, what can we be doing differently? And, and Dan can say, well, I've had experience in podcasts. They bring X, Y and Z to, to us as, a, a, as, a, as an organisation. And, and he can then lead on that. And I think the early leadership that, that he's shown along with the, the other five on, on space exploration in that first one was, was great. And there was no... Just the little things of no ums, no is, you know, they're, 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 they're doing it off the back of, I don't, it's not scripted, they're just speaking and it just shows what, what young people can do and the knowledge they've got going forward is, is, is great. So, I, I, you know, I'm looking forward to listening to more of that. But I know that Dan came, came to yourself, Mr. Borrington, you know, and I think what it is as a, as a school, we've, we've seen this cricket podcast really take off and, and Dan's obviously, this is where he got part of the idea from so he's come to yourself as the pioneer of podcasts <laughs> what, what, what did you offer him in terms of advice and guidance there because it's obviously gone down very well I think you might have been a little bit generous to me there Mr Softly um, yeah Dan came to me a few weeks ago now and asked how we put it together and, and asked for a little bit of advice um, and I know he's had some help from some other teachers as well which is brilliant that he's got that support around him but um, yeah, there was very little advice from me. I, as I've mentioned, I listened to it last night and I thought it was great, as you've said. So a big well done to those guys involved in the podcast and um, hopefully they'll manage to keep it going. I suppose, did you did you let Dan know that you've... Like, I've walked into this room today, there's like, cameras all over the place. <laughs> there's lights all over the place to get the lighting right. I had my makeup done when I walked in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, you know, it was only half seven, and I'm thinking, goodness me. So did you? Did you? Now I'm joking. Well, you can count yourself lucky. There's no live audience today, Mr. Softly. Yeah. Normally we have a big crowd in. 
Yeah, I think we just make it up as we go along, Mr. Borrington. I think that was your message, wasn't it? It's much more organised than that, Mr. Bedford, but um, <laughs> thanks for that. Right, Mr. Softley, just to finish us off, um, a couple of questions that we normally ask all of our guests. The best player that you have played with or against? Fortunate enough, I think, in my limited career of cricket, I would say that there was some there were some young players that I played with in Norfolk. I mentioned one earlier was was a lad in my year called Will Smart, who was a fantastic cricketer, had a lot of potential himself. But when I went to when I went up and played at Scotland in Gordonston, we had scholars that came over from South Africa or Australia. There was two two that stick out for me, uh, a lad called Craig Dan, who was a an Australian spinner. And then a lad called David Leshnick, who was a South African. Um, David was actually in, in my boarding house. And just absolute next level in terms of, like, I thought I loved football. You know, they, abso- they are mad for it. And everything that they did was for cricket. You know, they still got everything else right in terms of education. But any minute that they could do practicing, rehearsing what they're doing to make sure that they are the best was, was just fantastic. So, so in, in many ways, they were the best players I played with, but in, in terms of playing against, they probably were as well, in terms of what I faced, maybe the nets or in, in any practice games. The, the standard they were at were, was just next level, really. Brilliant. And best game you've played in or watched? Right, best game, best game I've watched was was probably a news it was that was a it was a one day one day match between New Zealand and Australia in New Zealand at Eden Park. It was fantastic. It was Brendan McCullum was playing that day, it was in twenty ten. What a day, what what a you know, the the fans were great, the cricket was fantastic, the the weather was, was super and it just that was probably my first game of, of real high level test cricket or well, it wasn't test but one day cricket. And it was just, you know, to see them throw the ball in, to see them bowl at that pace was just incredible. So that was probably the best, best one I've watched, but, but kind of got my passion going for, for watching cricket a little bit more as well. The best one I've played in, and I said I'd go back to this Mablethorpe game because my brother-in-law's catch that day <laughs> was absolutely incredible. And he would, he would really have a go at me if I didn't bring this in, because we still speak about it now. When we see these catches that people have done in the field, you know, for the county or for, for, their, for their country, we always say, not as good as that catch at Mablethorpe. Like, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. This young lad who was playing for the, for the other family, he's pulled this shot. And, you know, we've, we've all sort of caught, caught, shot that is. My brother-in-law, who was more athletic at this point than he is now, because he won't mind me saying that either, but he comes out of nowhere and pulls this ball out of the air and celebrates. You know, this, this young lad, he must have been seven, so I feel sorry for the <laughs> seven-year-old, but he celebrates, and we all did, to be fair, and it was fantastic. He got massive grades because it was so dry on his leg, um, which sounds crazy, but that was probably the best bit of cricketing moment I've, <laughs> that I've witnessed uh, in, in terms of live me playing, I suppose. But I want to go back to that because it, I started off by saying we played a lot in, at home and garden cricket was the best. Me and my brother, like hours and hours, mm. 
Some friends would come round, you have six and outs. Dad would be at the barbecue, he'd turn around and catch one out. You know, we actually went back down at Easter and we're doing it now with my, with my nephews and nieces. And, you know, mum comes back with my nephew, he's got this cricket bat and stumps that just bought from the local shop. And he, that's all he wants to do, put the stumps in, bowl at us, you know, get in the field. My niece, kind of, she's doing it, the other nephews are running about. And, and that is, is what it's all about for me and that's where... You know, cricket, I think you can be doing it anywhere and, and just, just get involved in it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Great stuff. Um, thanks very much to Mr. Bedford, as always. A big thank you to Mr. Softly. Brilliant to have you with us. Um, as we found over the last few weeks and months, I think it's amazing to find how many of our staff and, and the Woodhouse Grove community have some great cricket stories. So Mr. Softly is no different today. So thanks very much for your time and no for problem. joining us. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Welcome to the podcast, that's everything pro cricket Mr Bedford and Mr Boddington, that's the ticket It turns out cricket's not that boring, who knew? So come on and take a listen, you may even enjoy it too